Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Wow, Matt. Fellow adventurers, once again we are with Sir Crokington. And we've just gone to the Copper Hill Lodge, which is associated with the Adventurer Collective. And we're just going to see what happens here. Hidden in the near impenetrable heart of an ancient swarf of forest that nudges the southeastern edge of Dragonmere Deep, Copper Hill Lodge. Lodge is a grim, imposing structure of timber and stone, and is among the last remaining of the once numerous guild halls of the Adventurer Collective. Now there's quite a few links, lore book links here, let's just go through them all. Dragonmere Deep. The sprawling swamp known for ages as Dragonmere Deep is home to both wild beauty and unspeakable peril. Even the boldest of adventurers choose to avoid this treacherous bog. Copperhill Lodge Copperhill Lodge is location a long guarded secret. It's one of the oldest remaining guild halls associated with the Adventurer Collective. If you know the location of the guild hall, be sure not to breathe a word of it to anyone. Okay, I won't. I won't give you any clue where this guild hall is. You'll just have to find out for yourself. Because I was just told not to tell people where it is, so I won't. What are guild halls? Once proud fixtures that can be found throughout Swift, the numerous guild halls once maintained by the Adventurer Collective have all but disappeared over the last generation. I guess Tally's slayed so many monsters there's no adventuring left for anyone else to do. The halls that remain have become secretive, often lonely places where the few true adventurers of the current age can still gather. Membership in the Adventurers Collective is a prayer request for joining an Adventurers Guild Hall but does not provide a guarantee of membership. Each hall maintains its own roster of members and governs itself as an entity separate from the collective. And the Adventurer Collective, you've probably heard it, it's been mentioned before, but it was a while ago. The once proud collective is now little more than a dim memory to most, serving as a reminder of days long past. An age where brave adventurers banded together to battle, to brave the perils of the world. Through stood around, the collective now exists as a faint shadow of its former self. A very secretive society comprised of a very select and dwindling membership. For the true adventurer, membership of the collective offers most of what it once did. The collective still maintains a small number of guild halls in various places. Through nowadays, their locations are well-guarded secrets. And presumably, if there are any more halls around, if I keep adventuring, someone will approach me and say, Hey, there's another adventurous guild hall here. We could probably use it. You look like you'd fit in. Or something like that. But currently there's only one in the game and there's no suggestion there'll be a second. But it's an option. I mean, there's no there's nothing to suggest they're limited to just the kingdom of Tysa. So for all you know, maybe there might be one in Arkandar. That looks like a place that could use a lot of adventurers. Don't know about Zarthamore though. Looks like that. Very few people end up there. When viewed at a distance, the front of the lodge, the centerpiece of which has been the towering, which is the towering set of oaken doors that guard the main hall, seems to resemble the broad head 
and graping, gaping maw of some hideous beast. Set back from the lodge's western flat, flank, the end of a broad stony lane is a large stable. Well, let us enter the lodge. The heads of three ogres, mounted just above the fireplace, stare lifelessly out across the lodge's cavernous main hall. The gruesome trophies, collected years ago by Lodge Master Wogbaden himself, are adornments well suited to define the character and muscle of the rugged co- company for whom the log serves as a second or first home. Who is Wogbaden? Wogbaden Thornstorm, the infamous. A select few would add vile. Wogbaden Thornstorm is the Lodge Master of the Copper Hilt Lodge. One of the oldest and last surviving adventurer broad- guild halls to be found anywhere in the North Broadlands. Having earned a small fortune as the notorious boat swain of the Dragon Skinner, the infamous ship captained by the lead- legendary Jod Wallaskutst, walked about and retired from a life at sea, and added his pechant and turned his penchant for savage brutality into a profitable turn as an adventurer. Quick to anger and easily provoked to violent. The diminutive Wogbadam, he stands barely over five feet tall, possesses strength uncommon for his size. Under his leadership as Lodge Master, the Copperhilt Lodge has earned a reputation among adventurers as a place brimming with a promise of adventure and the likelihood of a tooth-loosening brawl. Next to the trio, trio of oak heads, mounted vertically on a, on a worth-hewn square of wood, is the copper hilt for which the long lodge was long ago named. Your presence in the hall momentarily crows what is otherwise an incessant, near-deafening cacophony of shameless boasting, worn-out tall tales, sarcastic ear will and base savagery. Unfortunately, the freezing Reprive lasts only as long as it takes you to draw a single breath, which admittedly takes a while because my mouth is so comparatively big. Who's this one think it is? snarls an unpleasant voice from somewhere in Mr. Wonk Rowdy Frong. Alright, I've got options. I could seek out Lord Mas- well, Lodge Master Wogbaden. Examine the strange painting near the fire and examine the copper hill. Well, those will still be there, so seek out Lodge Master Wogbaden. You find Lord Wogbaden Thornstorm in his private, though curiously doorless, room at the far end of the hall. The notorious reformed outlaw, who has been Lodge Master longer than anyone cares to remember, grumbles something and looks up from a set of maps spread out across the table before him. The short, broad-shouldered, white-bearded man closes one eye and regards you with a look that suggests equal parts suspicion and derision. He mumbles something that sounds like a greeting and goes back to studying his maps. Inquire about joining the lodge. Have we been introduced? No matter. You know who I am, and I know all I need to know of you. A A friend of mine who sees fit to waste her time in the collective... Sent word you might be passing this way, he grumbles. The lodge master suddenly unleashes a fearsome belch. Belch that appears to leave him momentarily shaken. You look near enough the part. Well, there's a small matter to attend to before anything else. I'm referring to the thee. You might know. Do you know? After another belch, Wogabadon tells you it'll cost ten adventurer tokens... And ten thousand gold to join the Copper Hilt Lodge. You'll get the adventurer tokens back after you've made yourself useful, he says, snorting as he adjusts his studied vest. Did you hear what I said? The adventure tokens, not the gold. The cost is purposely prohibitive. Need some time to scrounge it up, I dare say you might. No, no, I don't. I have 181 adventurer tokens and 123,467. 
so close to being to do to doing a doing a neat count. If I had just a bit less gold, it'd be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six gold. Huh? Well, well. Pay to join the lodge. Now I will. You will be getting that back. Well, you can get gold easily enough. So. The gold is mad, but the adventurous tokens, yep, you'll be getting those back very shortly. Well then, the easy part is settled, growls Warbagdom. I don't have to tell you how it pays to be careful these days, though. The cat relief doesn't just send it, send us anyone my way. But I suppose there's always a chance of it. Nothing is one, what it once was. And there's very little good to be found in that. The lodgemaster steps forward. And slaps, slaps you on the back. The sting of the friendly blow hints at the immense strength possessed by the diminutive man. Although I'm more than diminutive. A wide look flashes across Wagnerbadden's face. His dark eyes narrow and a smile rapidly twists into a frightful scowl. Prove yourself! He snarls. Shoving you back towards the wall. Don't look so startled! Prove yourself. Show me what all the fuss over you is all is about. The unnerving speed with which you catch the short, white-bearded man launch. With which the short, white-bearded man launches itself at you, catches you off guard, quickly manoeuvring from the shock and brutal shock of the brutal turn of events. You expertly move her to counter the unexpected attack. And I'm fighting Wogsbaden. Begin combat. Engage in non-lethal combat. Okay, it's a four. He's on a four plus. So if my if my melee rating was a little bit lower, it would be a lot harder. What bad and wars is he unleashes a volley of punches. What about and smashes you with a blow that leaves you wheeling for eleven damage, and again for thirty-two damage. Then for 41 damage. Alright, then for 57 damage. But I'm pulling ahead, then 63. I'm just going to use the three quickstone 20s. And he's defeated. 1,024 experience to general. Very nice. But mo I think most players, when they join this, unless they put this off for a long time, or have already donated will probably not be able to beat him. I know that I couldn't beat him on quite a few of the characters I sent there. But it's getting easier and easier now, what with various powerful, more and more powerful items and equipment just being dropped all the time. Like the Iron Frog Amulet. That's pretty powerful. So if you're... So it might, so you might want to consider putting it off until you have more than three hundred melee waiting. That way you can get this one thousand and twenty-four experience to general. But of course, once you're that powerful, you could quite easily get a thousand experience to general. So, and of course, there's quite a lot of content and rewards locked behind this. So, well. Doesn't matter that much, but just something to consider. Gasping loudly, Wogsbadham slinks to one knee and holds up his right hand, signalling signaling the fight is at an end. He reached down and opened to his feet. What I've heard about you is nothing short of lies, he grumbles, giving you a quick wink. You're a bit better than your reputation suggests. Well done. Lord Baden leaves and returns with two frothing flagons of ale, as the two of you recover from your bout, quenching your thirst with a thick, sweet, malted brew. The lodgemaster tells you that if you're interested in adventure, you should speak with Marpo. The man's a bit hard to take, but he knows what needs, needs to get done around here, he says. My only advice for you would be not to disappoint him, or me. Welcome to the Copperhill Lodge. Now get out of my sight before I toss you out of it. 
with no reason to doubt the sincerity of his last remark. You big one bowed in farewell and stepped back into the main hall, hall as a fully-fledged member of the lodge. Alright. Ah, oh, look who it is, snarls a pleasant voice from somewhere amidst the growdy throng. Alright, so if there's more options have been opened up, I can seek out Taskmaster Marple, I can visit the trading post. In a large room at the far end of the main hall eastern flank, the ever-present Valeria operates what's, become, what's come to be known as the trading post. Though not a member of either the Lodge or the Adventurer Collective, the seemingly unflappable and at times irritatingly cheery young woman has been granted permission by the Lodge Master to set up shop in the Guild Hall. Lord Baden maintains that the Lodge Master... Lodge members need both easy access to decent equipment and a place to sell items of value they may acquire during their adventures. Now, admittedly, if there was, if this game had such a thing as weapon durability, this will probably be in a lot more demand. But usually, by the time you've got here, you already have equipment better than everything he sells in every slot. Varala, pushing back tangled locks of prematuring greying hair, looks up from her toes at the workbench and greets you with a smile. Examine the weapons currently for sale. Well, let's have a look at them. Smiling as she inquires about your latest adventures, Viara shows you the weapons she currently has for sale. She tells you her adventure usually changes every day. Let's have a look at this stuff. Yeah, I mean, you've got... You've got a whole load of weapons. Lots oh, of classes. You've got self-stabbing. You've got for 1 MR all the way up to 5 MR in some cases. So if you went here really early, that would be an improvement. Went here really early and got to pick up the goblin doom or the sword of souls so yeah and let let the probably the only reason you'd buy things here is if you want a full collection of one of every single piece of generic generic weapons so you can just store them in your residence so you can have them no nah. And of course, view the armor. What's she got? Okay, she's got. Anyway, it's it's not going to be better than any everything I have, even if there are some unmatched. But everything I have is at the level of unmatched plate or higher. So, as I say, normal you cannot just buy equipment better than what I already have. That's just how it is. You have to go on quests, or go to tallies, or of course you could visit the adventurer shop if you're adventurous and willing to give the GM some more money. Which of course he needs, because he's got to like pay rent and stuff. Well, I don't know if he has to pay rent. He might be a homeowner. But he's definitely got to pay for food and utilities. And, you know, to look after his family. And, and since he's an American, there'll be health insurance. And that will probably be a lot. <laughs> because it's always a lot. Yeah. Oh, well, there's an unmatched plate helm. That's obviously worse than what I have, but still, that, that would be that's the best mundane armor you can get. Yeah, whole, whole bunch of whole bunch of of generic mundane equipment. Go back. Allow Vera to examine your items. Vera takes a look through your belongings, but doesn't express any interest in any of them. 
I'm glad you let me have a look, she says, smiling. You never know what I might find to my liking. Let me know if you come across anything you think I might, like, want to see. Yep, so this is a pro- this is how you can unload curious curious things you find during the courses of your adventures from the lodge and get a few ATs and some gold. It's all very nice, very nice, but we haven't done any adventures yet, so nothing for her to look at. Speak with Valia. Valia, continually pushing back the tangle of greying hair that covers her eyes, smiles and frequently laughs as she fills you in on some of the more interesting bits of news that have recently come to her attention. She then tells you that while larger, more lucrative markets exist elsewhere, she's happy operating out of the lodge. Sure, I could set up shop in some other place, she says, her tone suggesting she believes she's answered a question you're about to ask. But what safer place is there than this old hall? I don't even need to lock up my wares. Because presumably, if someone were to, you know, steal something, Robadon would kick their ass. <laughs> and if... And presumably, directly after him, everyone else in the lodge would be taking their turn for the ass-kicking. You'll learn that Valia, who lives at the lodge, enjoys spaceless, well-appointed, well-appointed quarters tucked away at the back of the trading post. Nice having you about, Sir Grunkson, she says, as she returns to a long list of tasks she hopes to accomplish before the day is out. You breathe just a bit of life into this place. I don't suppose you've ever heard that anywhere before, or have you? Okay, and that that's it. I'll go back to her when I have something to show her. You can also sell things there. It might not be the best price, but it's, uh... It's, it's something. It, it's, it's, it's a place to sell things. Okay. Examine the strange painting near the fire. No one's been here recently but me. Which kind of makes sense because there's only about half a dozen or so adventures in the lodge. And there's there's no it's not a convenient place to go back to for many grinding spots. So you go there, you do all the adventures, and then you leave. Think maybe some of them are locked behind other things, but nah, no, it's not. It's not. It's not like Hawklaw, for example, where you'd often end up going back there if only because it has a blue door and a proving grounds link. Examine the strange painting hanging near the fire. The massive painting, hanging to the white of the hearth, depicts a massive domok. Towering over the bloodied bodies of seven warriors. The fearsome painting was obviously created by a skilled artist. Ask someone about the painting. That's the Oaken King, says a grey-bearded man sitting on the wooden stool next to the hearth. The room is going around his old woggies figured out where that old domuk's taken root. Before you can inquire further about the painting, the man... The man to whom you're speaking is suddenly engaged in conversation by an old, by a man seated nearby. You take another look at the painting before moving off across the crowded hall. Now, who is the Oaken King? The Oaken King. This ancient dobok, by far the greatest and most malevolent of his cruel species, was once a roaming terror whose nightmarish army of living trees plagued a wide swath of the North Broadlands. Nearly 200 years ago, the fearsome Oaken King and his legion of lesser Dombok inexplicably vanished. It's believed that the Oaken King, for reasons unknown, entered the vast, untamed mire known as Dragonmere Deep in eastern Tysa. 
Over two centuries since the sudden disappearance of the living savage oak, many expeditions have been made into the Great Swap, each in hopes of proving either the location of the, or the demise of the sinister creatures. Many maintain the Oaken King has taken root somewhere deep in the tangled heart of the mire that he and his army of Domok tear tirelessly guard a great treasure. Yes, anyway, this was this was supposed to be a hint for something that was to come, but it seems to have been put quite on the back burner. Maybe it's even been forgot about. Because, well, Swift's so big that you're going to forget some things. Yeah, well, it, think it might have been it was possibly planned to be another multiplayer or something like that examine the copper hilt mounted on a rough on a rough rough hewn slab of wood just to the white of the three ogre heads is the copper hilt after which the old lodge was named it's both tarnished and covered in a thick layer of dust. According to a tale frequently told in the hall, the hilt is part of a sword once wielded by the ancient and legendary Aldevarian hero Seer. There are some who would dispute this claim, but very few would knowingly do so within the lo- within earshot of Lodge Master Wogbaden. Now, of course, Seer is the great culture hero of this age. Like he's some sort of combination of Jesus, Moses and Conan the Barbarian. Uh. Yes, and just like Jesus, he was betrayed. And he has a magical sword called Moonstorm. Which apparently sank into the gloomy depths. But. So maybe. This copper hilt. Is another sword he had. Because of course when you're an adventurer. You have a lot of swords. And when you're the greatest adventurer of all. You're going to have a lot of a lot of swords. It's just the rules. Because sometimes you need a different sword. Or sometimes you just want to show off your different swords. Or sometimes you just feel, hmm, I want to stab so I want to kill something with something different today. And you pick up one of your other swords. Or something like that. Whether this, le- this may or may not ever lead to something. It hasn't yet. Okay, now to seek out Taskmaster... Marple. Tasker, Kasmasker Marple, a thin, baldy man whose left arm is missing just below the shoulder, sits alone at a table towards the wheel of the hall. A large book open before me, before him. His sharp green eyes fix you with a piercing gaze as you approach. So, how is Copperhill Lodge's most accomplished adventurer faring? He asks, his sardonic jibe delivered in a friendly, jestful tone. I might have something for you to do. Unless someone else has already taken it. I make no promises on such matters. If Marco has any tasks to assign, he may review them by selecting the Adventures for this location option below. Okay, then I will. This adventure is called A Simple Enough Task. You learn that the wagon bears a valuable cargo bound for the remote mining settlement of Stonefall. Well, okay. So, just guarding some cargo. Alright, that seems simple enough. As the game suggests. Well, seems, but whether it will stay as such, well, we'll see. Before we know it, we could get ambushed by a gazillion bandits. Or accidentally fall through a Neverall portal. Or have a dragon turn up. 
or just get really, really lost. Or any other number of things. This can be normal or scaled. I'll do it normal. Balipar's size. Sights as he looked out across the crowded hall. Then, apparently satisfied through every hope to see isn't present, he slowly turns to you. Very well, you can have this one, he says. Listen carefully. So I don't care to repeat myself. I need it to remind you that when you undertake a task for the log, log, specifically one I have assigned, you bear upon your every action and inaction our reputation. It's a reputation we have earned over the past few centuries with blood, our own and otherwise. I don't care to have my reputation, have that reputation sullied, not by anyone, for any reason. Is that quite clear? I can tell him I can understand, or I can remind him of who he's speaking. I don't know if I've actually clicked the second option, so I'm going to do that. The balding, one-eyed man seems quite taken aback by a brazen, defiant stance. He quickly fumbles several attempts at hasty apology, before apparently regaining his scattered thoughts. You're right, of course, he says. I hope you forgive me. I know who you are, Sir Hokington, and your accomplishments speak for themselves. We are quite deserving of my respect. Please, 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 please accept my apology. Mirapol takes takes a few moments to compose himself. My warning is more of a formality than anything else, he says. Wog, that is to say, our dear logmaster has of late become just a bit less selective in those seeking memberships. Yep, so that's how I got in. No, no, I, I would have got in anyway. I, ha- I suppose he feels our ranks have dwindled. The situation is hardly dire. Now, if only we could do something about all the flotsam born out of his out-of-character leniency. Marple sighs. Another matter for another time. Here. Let me tell you what you'll be doing. Marple tells you the task at hand involves escorting a lone wagon along the road that edges Tice's far eastern frontier, a region notorious as a haunt for both highwaymen and goblins. Which is worse, he muses, shrugging in response to his own question. Bandits? Goblins? Both are miserable creatures, each much the same as the other. I'm certain neither one would prove troublesome for you. You learn that the wagon bears a valuable cargo bound for the the remote mining settlement of Stonefall. It will be, be you, the driver, a man named Isol, the owner of the wagon and its cargo, whatever it is, and one or more of Isol's guard. Isol has, through one of our agents, requested your help and agreed to pay our price. Marple tells you the wagon will depart from the border town of Crow's Heath within the month. I trust you have no problem getting there by then. Of course, there is the matter of collateral. Well, this must be some really important cargo. If you're going to plan for for a month in advance to get to get the guards to do it, and it probably took about a month for the guy just to arrive here with the message to saying I, I'll need someone. Hmm. Uh, what could it be? Presumably it's something seasonal, like a no. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ale, really good ale, perhaps. Oh, well, I guess, I guess there's, there's no real way of ever knowing what the cargo is. 
And we are, of course, not supposed to pry. That's not part of the, that's not part of our job. Our job isn't. We're not a we're not we're not we're not the custom agents. I trust you'll have no problem getting there by then, he says. Of course, there is the matter of the collateral. Marvel tells you that due to several recent incidents involving the abandonment of several important missions by former members of the Lodge, Rock Badham has instituted a collateral policy to ensure that adventurers undertaking tasks see them through to completion. You learn that collateral for each task assigned by Marple, usually gold, is set by the large master and must lodge master and must be paid before any assignment is made official. Upon the successful completion of the task, the collateral is returned. And you'll also receive any payment to which you're entitled, he says. It's the only way our good old lodge master can see to keep the whole business honest. Though I believe I am not among the majority, I happen to agree with him. The collateral to accept this task is 500 gold, which we will get back. So, it's sort of... So, if you finish the adventure... I don't know if there's any actual way to give up the adventures. Yeah, anyway. But it does mean you have to have 500 gold handy to start it. Which, of course, nearly everyone will have, because gold is easy to get, except the task. 500 gold spent. Marvel smiles when you hand him the collateral. The transaction signifies your acceptance of the task. So it is all agreed, he says, running his hand through the remains of his hair. Well, you best be off. The sooner you are done with this business, the better. Fortune follow you, Sir Crokington. Nearly a month later, in the surprisingly pleasant company of Isor Bimwald, his driver and two hired guards, you'll be travelling north and east along the lonely road known as Ledge Pike. It's been four days since the heavily laden, covered wagon rolled out of Coles Heath, drawn by a pair of, brought, of brindle-draught horses. A majestic beast, to whom Maswell has affectionately named Jod and Plod. It's another Jod! So many Jods! A whole jumbo-sized... Some, something begins with J of Jods. A jumbo-sized jubilation of Jods. Or something like that. So far, despite some early trouble with two of the wheels, the trek, while just a bit uncomfortable, has been otherwise uneventful. The wagon, loaded with large, weighty, unmarked casks, lurks, rattles and creaks at his rumbles along the rugged road. Hmm, it's going to a mining settlement. Possibly some sort of gunpowder? Might might be helpful. I don't know if gunpowder exists yet. I mean, we know goblin bombs exist, so I wouldn't be surprised if somebody thought, hmm, we could use that for mining. Yes, and that would, of course, explain why it's guarded and why they're not letting out exactly what it is. You immediately can discern that the cask, which, which Oswald never mentions, are the important cargo to which Marple were third. And despite your own burning curiosity, you decide against asking about them. Instead, you remain content to take your regular shifts at the front of the wagon with the driver, your keen eyes scouring both the road ahead and the dense wilderness that flanks the pike for any possible sign of danger. And we explain, I also explained the whole is a toad thing. And now, now everyone's just rolling with it. Isol, who well knows the route from Crow's Heath to Stonefall, estimates the journey will take six days. He resolves to take no chances and diligently attend to your duties. 
exercising extreme wariness at all times. Ah, and said again, glad to have you on with us, lass, says Elswell, whose thick head of pure white hair, pure white hair, betrays his advanced age. I've learned my lesson about travelling these roads without a proper guard. First time I've hired anyone from your outfit, though. I'm not displeased in the least. There'll be something extra in it for you when we reach Stoneville. In the short time you've known Ursul, having met him at the inn in Crow's Heath only four days ago, you've, got, you've grown quite fond of his friendly, though somewhat enigmatic character. You readily sense, however, that despite his cheerful demeanour, something weighs heavily on his mind. The two hired guards, whom we saw as instructed to follow your directives, also prove to be pleasant company. Thread and Tilbarn, both hailing from Packwell, seem capable and loyal, and the young man appear young men appear completely undaunted by the danger of the long, rugged trek to the remote mine the remote mining settlement represents. You initially find it somewhat odd Elza would choose to seek out additional protection for the journey, considering that Tilma and Ultraquad seem entirely capable of handling the task. Ultimately, however, you abandoned your attempts to get at his reasoning, expecting he likely knows more about the pearls of the pike than anyone else in the present company. Your time spent up front has also allowed you to become acquainted with the driver, a portly, well-travelled man named Wynne whose favourite topic of conversation is the different types of ales to be found throughout the kingdom. Oh, and considering all the places I've been, I'll have, a lo- I'll have a lot to contribute. Even though admittedly, a lot of time I go to a place for some ale, and then all hell breaks loose. Like the others, his admirable disposition helps helps to bolster a growing sense of camaraderie among the five of you as the wagon, with very few stumbles, steadily ambles towards Stonefall. Late on the fifth day of the journey, as dusk begins to cope the lonely wilds, the company stops and sets up a camp in a small hollow at the edge of the road. While Wynne and Ulthred tend to the horses, you hope gather wood for the fire, of which Israel promised to concoct what he refers to as his famous stew. Crow's Heath stew is what I, sh- what I should call it, he says, staring into the steaming iron pot that dangles precariously over the fire's dancing flames. In all honesty, I've never given a proper name. I don't know if it really needs one. I doubt you'll have tasted anything better. Well, at least not on this little trek. The stew proves to be every bit as delicious as those well boasts. While you ra- ravishly consume the steaming broth, its thick base swimming with half-raw potatoes and chunks of dried, generously salted meat, Isol busies himself about preparing bowls for himself and the others. You suddenly realise something is terribly wrong. Is it the stew? Is it too delicious? Right, pick your number. A bonus of 18, all from body. Hmm. Some sort of poison, then. Pick now. 45. Failure. A series of stark pains stab through your guts. 19 damage. You drop your bowl and stagger back from the edge of the fire. Right, picking a number. Bonus of 40. 20 from mind, 20 from aura. Gotta get 75 or more, presumably to notice someone sneaking up on me? Or something like that? Pick now. 72, failure. The pain stabbing through your gut abruptly subsides, only to be replaced by a burning sensation in both your chest and head. Oh no, not my head, that's so big. Comparatively speaking, despite a valiant attempt to remain on your feet, you stumble back and stump to the ground as the surroundings begin to spin and blur. Izo washes over to your side and gently cradles your head, preventing it from striking the ground. The white-haired man stares down at you, through the dense haze now consuming your vision. 
A nervous expression dominates his now familiar face. She's going to be out, he says, as three silhouetted figures appear behind him, the face is discernible. Tie her up. I know enough about this one to make that a very prudent suggestion. Tie her up tightly. Make care she looks comfortable. I'll have no harm come to her. By the old father, what have I gotten myself into? You attempt to speak, but find you no longer have the strength to do so. As a pair of hands grabs your arms, the haze before you, eyes rapidly melts away, replaced by total darkness. Your discomfort rapidly fades as you slip peacefully into a deep slumber. You wake with a start, groggy and disorientated. You're lying... You're lying on your back, staring up at the underside of the heavy cloth ceiling of Isol's wagon. Your aching wrists, bound with a thick length of rugged rope, are beneath you, pressing into the middle of your spine. As your head begins to clear, your instincts struggle to stave off a rising wave of panic. You suddenly hear two voices outside the wagon. One of them belongs to Isol, through the other, a thin masculine, cheerless voice is unknown to you. If that's unfair, you'll need to take it up with our mutual friend, says the unknown man. I've given you all that was agreed upon. Alas, you don't hold me up any further. I've a long way to go and this whole affair doesn't sit well with me. The sooner I'm done with it, the better. I'll take it up with her, says Isol. Don't you worry about that. But that will have to wait. We're still due in Stonefall. All right, go on then. Get her out of my wagon into yours. She won't be any trouble. That brew will keep her out for the next while. Long enough for you to get where you're going. Isol, his voice fading in and out, seems to be addressing someone else. Almost the instant he finishes speaking, you hear two distinct sets of footfalls moving towards the back of the wagon. Still confused about the unexpected turn of events, but realising that for weeks, that for reasons, reasons unknown, you're about to be moved from one wagon to another, you wholly attempt to resolve the issue of your bound whisks. So, few options here. Just... Work my hands out of the ropes. I could use telekinesis. Thievery. And if I had shown no magic, and it was at above level 30, I could use that. But I don't, and it isn't, so I can't. You know what, I'm probably going to want to learn shadow magic soon. Just so I can stop to saying, but I don't have it, so I can't do that. Because that's getting a bit... Ah, oh, well. Uh, thievery. Thievery. Let's use Thievery. It succeeded. 4x speed to Thievery. Utilising your well-practised talents, it takes only a few seconds to slip three from the bonds binding your wrists. The approaching footfall stop just outside the rear of the wagon. You immediately recognise the voices of Ultred and Tilman. Though you can't make out anything they're saying, it seems... If they're deciding on the best way to carry you to the other wagon, well, if I was knocked out, that would be very easy, because I am tiny. Well, Sir Crokington is tiny, and honestly, uh, Sir Crokington is me and is not me, depending on whatever. Depending on what's, on how I feel at the moment. Suddenly, Tormar's hands reach in through the opening at the back of the wagon. The guard is about to pull himself inside. So I could remain still, wait for them both to get in, and then attack. Or leap up and attack him before he fully am. It's going to remain still. With your hands now free, your eyes, your eyes narrow to thin slits. You watch as Tilbon climbs into the wagon and steps towards you. He leans down. Presumably to take hold of you. You spring up, elicting a startled gasp from the young man. Before you can shout out to his companion, you 
you slam your fist into his throat, sending him toppling sideways. Gasping as he attempts to draw a breath, he makes a valiant effort to regain his feet, but you are immediately upon him. This is Tilman, and he is staggered. Now, you could kill him, or you could subdue him. Now, he's clearly not the mastermind. Or even vaguely associated, he probably just took on took on a regular mercenary contract and suddenly found himself roped into far more than he expected. Uh, you know what, can't really back out now because now the bad guys know his face. Subdue your enemy. Tolbarn slashes you with his short blade. And I stab back. Brutal blow for four damage. Subdued. Seven XP. Tolbarn slumps to the wagon bag. The young man who skilled skill with the sword is respectable. He's severely battered, but very much alive. Before you can even contemplate your next move, Ulfred springs into the wagon, his blade drawn, and his startled gaze fixed squarely on you. With your next breath, you find yourself locked in a brutal struggle against a skilled and determined foe. This is Ulfred. Going to subdue him too, because it'd be quite unfair to kill him and let his friend live. It'd be weird. I mean, if, if, if one of them's... They are both the same degree of moral culpability. So I have to either kill them both or subdue them both. Otherwise, otherwise they'll just get survivor guilt or something. No, subdue. Going to use a telekinetic blast. Stop hitting yourself, huh? Oh, he's stunned. And down he goes. 9 XP to telekinesis, gasping as your eye, his eyes roll to the back of his head. Ulgrad collapses into a heap at your feet. The young guard, bloodied and battered, will ultimately survive this painful ordeal. Uncertain whether or not anyone heard the struggle, you waste no time questioning Torbon and Lothred. The young guards... Both obviously fearful of their lives, tell you that Oswald's plan was to incapacitate you and then deliver you to an unknown party. Neither man seems to know anything else about Oswald's motives, and are quick to apologise for their own duplicity and involvement. When you ask them about the wagon you heard mentioned by the voices speaking outside the wagon, they shake their heads and say they know nothing of it. Two sharp blows. One to the head of each man, when does the two young guards unconscious? With neither Torman or Uthrid any, any longer concern, you make your way to the opening at the back of the wagon and cautiously peer out. Suddenly, you only look out through the opening in the heavy cloth covering that conceals the interior of the wagon. Your heart nearly skips a beat. Standing less than five yards from you, on the edge of the road, his arms crossed and a startled look joining, joining his thin, scarred face. is an older, black-haired man in a blue tunic. His initial expression of su- dissol- surprise dissolves to what you can only describe as an uncomfortable smirk. I see you shaking off the effects of the brew, he says, his voice wavering ever so slightly. Please, I beg of you, do nothing rash. I am not your enemy. Despite what of all this may seem to you, without warning, the man unfolds his arms and shoots his sprayed right hand towards you. Before you quite know what is happening, a powerful invisible force clamps tightly round your body and pulls you out of the wagon. A few tense moments later, you land softly on your feet, directly in front of the magic-wielding stranger. Suddenly, an echoing clop of, clop of heavy hoofbeats. Coupled with the wattles and creaks of both wood and metal, rise up from behind you. Whipping your head in the direction of the sound, you watch as Isol's wagon rolls away to the north, rumbling along at a speed you would never have guessed it could obtain. Well, it's a lot, well, it's a lot lighter now because it's not got me in it. <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs>
No, it's the same way, pretty much. Seated at the front of the wagon are two figures you immediately recognize. Izol and Win. Well, okay. What happened to the Orthrog and Jod? Orthrog and... And Tilman. Oh yeah, Jordan Plod of the horses. Goodbye, Jordan Plod. Goodbye. <laughs> Alright. Let them go, says the scarred man. The sound of his voice, for snacking your, your foot, boy, force back to the present. Is all is of no concern to us. I'm afraid of your apology. Is all treachery wasn't his own doing. He's hardly capable of such things. I'm certain the matter didn't sit well with him, but he had little choice. If you are burdened with the sorts of debt he holds, you might find yourself in a similar circumstance. Looking past the man standing before you, you certainly spot a wagon at the edge of the road. Two grey horses, slightly smaller than those employed by Iswell, stand hitched to the front of the open wagon. Strange it seems, Oh, but certain the wagon wasn't there just a few moments ago. As the sound of Isol's departing wagon grows faint, you turn and watch the bulky, covered cart, its frame lurking precariously as it hastily transverses the rugged track, disappearing around a wet bend in the road. The thought occurs to you that Isol and Wynn will soon find Tormont and Uthrock. On top, unconscious in the back of the wagon. Oh, good, good. They're in the wagon. So they're not just going to be left out in the middle of the wilderness, which, well, not a very, not a very safe place to be. What with all the monsters and things. And you know it, it and it be could get out get cold at night too. Yes, yes. That that wagon's the safest place for them to be. The scarred man, seemingly nervous in your presence, well, would make sense. I, do, I am very good at stabbing things. Casts a final glance in the direction of Oswald's departing wagon, then turns to face you. He places his hand on his hips and sighs. There wasn't supposed to be any violence, he says, shaking his head. You could hardly be faulted for that. Please know, however, that you must not hold any of this against Isol. He knew nothing of, of the business beyond his task to deliver you to me. I think I'd better explain. My name is Juduin. You needn't tell me your name. I'm quite familiar with you. Uncertain what to believe of what Juduin says, you listen as he explains why he had also bring you to this remote spot. Juduin tells you he's an agent working on behalf of a paymaster. Pay whose identity remains to him, remains even to him unknown. He says that his paymaster has great interest in the Venture Collective, particularly its eldest surviving guild hall, Copper Hilt Lord. Now, who is this his paymaster? We don't know. Because, I mean, there's plenty of people who'd want to have interest in, interest in these guild hall on these copper hilt lodges because well they're adventurous and adventurers tend to uh, mess up plans if you're you know you're evil but also you might just want to keep track of these people because what what baden was a pirate so maybe he hasn't completely left his old pirating days. Who knows? Who knows? So there's there's sinister and legitimate reasons to want to know what's going on at that lodge. And there really isn't any obvious and clear way to find out. Because it's a very secretive place. Yes, and of course, if you were to send a spy in, Wog Baden would probably just punch that spy up out and just throw him out of the door so far that he bounces five times. 
I need someone inside the lodge to act as my eyes and my ears, he says, briefly looking in the direction of the wagon. It was doubtful any truly honourable member of the collective would choose to help me on, the own, on, my, on their own. I was also to measures I know myself a bit much. I hope to plant a few powerful suggestions in your mind. You would have known a thing about them. Oh, they would have served my purposes quite well. Perhaps, however, you can, if you can see your way to forgiving my midstep, it does not see, not have to be lost. Judge offers what sounds like a sincere apology for all that has occurred, and asks you to consider his proposition. He tells you that if you would, from time to time, provide him with a detailed account of affairs in Copper Hilt Lodge and, to a lesser extent, the affairs of the adventure collective as a whole, he may be able to make it worth your while. I don't wish anyone to come to harm, he says. What precisely my paymaster wishes to do with the knowledge is not for me to say. And to be perfectly honest, I don't quite care. What do you have to say? Are we in agreement? Otherwise, I'm afraid that this, all of this, is something of a waste for, for both of us. Alright, what does divination say first? It failed. You're unable to tell whether or not Judwin is telling you the truth. Well, ask Judwin about the woman you heard Ozor mention. Judwin appears momentarily taken aback when you ask her about the woman you heard Ozor mention only moments after you regain consciousness in the wagon. She is unimportant, he says dismissively. You helped arrange my introduction to Isol, that is all. We need not concern ourselves with her. Judwin, seemingly eager to change the subject, again repeats his proposition. Asking, if he, asking you if you will provide him with details of your happenings within the Copper Hilt Lodge and the Adventure Collective in exchange for making it worth your trouble. Hmm, so I've got two, I've got options. Reject, accept, or attack him. Now, hmm. Now, the thing is, I don't know who the paymaster is. It could be anyone. It could be the Night Whisperers. It could, it could be another Quidamor gang. It could be Goblins, even. It could be Woundskin. Could be someone tied to the demon itself, for all I know. Or it could just be Tally's just keeping, trying just to keep a track on what adventurers of the, or what the adventurers of the day are doing. You know, because you know, he, I mean, he's he's retired, but he's still in, he's still, he's still part of the community. We do not know who this information is helping, so it. Could be used for evil, could be used for good, could be used for neutral. We don't know, so I'm going to have to reject it. Because I just don't know enough. Because if you don't know, probably don't do anything. Because then at least you're not fucking things up. Reject Judwin's proposition. Judwin nods and accepts your decision. He then thanks you and again apologises for the original means by which he attempted to win your complicity. I will trouble you no more, he says. May your world home be safe. I can allow him to leave or attack him. Okay, I'm going to allow him to leave. You know, never know. Maybe. If he keeps going around, I'll find out who his paymaster is. Allow him to leave. Standing at the edge of the road, you watch as the scarred mage returns to the wagon and drives to the north, disappearing behind the same bend around which Azor passed only a short while ago. Bewildered by the strange turn of events, and having no desire to linger here for even a moment longer, you immediately set off on your way. Your journey back to the Copper Hill Lodge is both swift and uneventful, Though you find your thoughts plagued by the strange turn of events that took place on the lonely road to Stonefall. Upon your return, you immediately seek out Marple, 
The thin, one-armed man looks up at you as you approach his table and nods alarmingly. So, our champion returns, he says, his tone wife with playful sarcasm. I trust there were no complications. Well, there were, but I'm not going to tell you. You decide to make no mention of what actually transpired during your mission, particularly your betrayal of the hands of Oswald and your encounter with Judwin. Marapol hands you a pouch containing 15 adventurer tokens. So that means I'm already five adventurer tokens up. And I've only done one adventure. From my lodge master, he says. Marapol sighs and draws his fingers against the surface of the table. Well now, well then. Now there's the matter of the collateral you left with me. Alright, Marple returns the collateral you left with him when he accepted the task. 500 gold tokens. And that's that's just gold tokens I previously spent, so it's not an actual gain. He then gives you your payment for having completed the task. That's another 500 gold tokens. The one-eyed man again thanks you for seeing your mission through to a successful conclusion. Then, without another word... He returns his gaze to the open book resting on his elbows. And that is the end of that adventure with 384 experience to general. And also more adventures have been unlocked. One is called Breaching the Deep and one is called The Third Fang. Now we've passed an hour so we definitely won't be doing any more things this episode. And there's also adventures here. One is called Whisperers. Now, for various reasons, well, I probably won't be doing that one because it's criminal. And not and not in a yeah, it's technically a crime, but it turns out for the best for everyone in the end, sort of way. More in a it's a crime. In the classic, you're taking something that you have no claim for and just, you know, making other people's lives worse. Anyway, more adventures have been unlocked. Which is all very good. So, I'm guessing in the next few episodes we'll be doing more things in here. Oh, and people comment... As you come in. Well, that explains the smell. Look who's here. Snarls an unpleasant voice from somewhere and miss the wildy frog. Okay, time to save. And so, next time, we'll be doing more adventures here. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.